Good morning. How are you? I want to ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to continue our series on Elevate, breaking through to new levels in life. And we're talking about how to go to a new level in five different areas. The first was faith. Now we're in the area of family. And then freedom, finances, and fun. And we spent four weeks on faith, how to go to a new level in your personal relationship with God. And now we're in the family, and we've already had two weeks because Pastor Jimmy Evans and Pastor Jeff Drott spoke on family for the last two weeks while I was out. Pastor Jimmy Evans hosts the television program Marriage Today. He's a good friend of mine. And then uh, Pastor Jeff Drott, one of our executive pastors here. I told Jeff uh, last night, I said, listen, you can stop having people come up to me and tell me how good your message was, okay? I get it, all right? But I'm grateful that when I'm out, you're being fed, and I know you're being fed. And so I'm going to talk now for two weeks on marriage. We're going to talk about marriage. And I want to say something, first of all, to those of you who are married. If you are here and you are married, don't listen to these two messages for your spouse. You are the one that needs help, okay? So listen for yourself. Secondly, I want to say, if you're here and you're not married, if you're single or widowed or divorced, please don't hear any condemnation. Don't feel like that the messages don't apply to you, because I promise you the Holy Spirit will apply it to you. Last night in, in uh, the service, one of our elders was here with his family. He has two beautiful uh, young single daughters, and he uh, called me this morning on the phone, and he said, one of my daughters last night, she was listening to the message, and I'm going to talk about some rights that we have to give up. And she was applying it to her relationship with the Lord. And she felt like, why would God bring a man into my life if I can't even get these things straight in my relationship with the Lord? That would just complicate things, you see. So I want you to listen to these messages, even if you're not married, okay? Because I promise you God's going to speak to you. We're going to talk about today that marriage is not a contract. Next week, we'll talk about marriage is a covenant. But there is an understanding that we need to have about what a contract is and what a covenant is. Marriage is not a contract. Now, let me explain that to you, all right? I even put the definitions in your sermon notes so you could hang on to this and think about this for a long time to come, hopefully. Here's what a contract is. When we enter into a contract, we protect our rights and we limit our responsibilities. That's the whole reason that you enter into any contract. Whether it's to buy a home, or whether it's to take a new job, or whether it's to sell something to someone, the reason you enter into a contract is to protect your rights and to limit your responsibilities. And let me tell you what a covenant is, alright? In a covenant, we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. It's exactly opposite. In a covenant, you give up rights and you pick up responsibility. Every person in the Bible that made a covenant entered into that covenant knowing he was giving up rights and he was assuming responsibility. It's the exact opposite of a contract. There is a contract spirit in marriage today that is causing divorce. You cannot enter into marriage with a contract spirit. It will not work. You do not enter into marriage limiting your responsibilities and protecting your rights. The only way you can enter into marriage is to give up your rights and to pick up your responsibilities. That's the only way it works. Here's the reason I know that's the only way it works. That's the only way Christianity works. The reason that we have so many unhappy Christians today is because they've entered into a contract with God, not a covenant. 
You don't come into the Christian life saying, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it. And by the way, I don't want to give up the right to this, and I don't want to give up the right to that, and I don't want to assume this responsibility, and I don't want to assume that responsibility. I just want to let you know, if that's the way you've entered into Christianity, you're going to be very surprised when you die. Because you've not entered into a relationship with God. The only way you can enter into a relationship with God is through covenant. That's the only way. And the reason that I know, by the way, that that's the way we enter into it is because that's the way He entered into it. Jesus came to this earth, now get this, and gave up all of His rights and assumed all of our responsibilities. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus came... He came in the spirit of covenant, and He gave up His rights as the Son of God, and He assumed our responsibilities and fulfilled them, by the way. And so when I come into a covenant with Him, I give up my rights, and I assume responsibility for that relationship. Now, now listen to me. If you have the spirit of contract in your marriage, you're in trouble. You're in a lot of trouble. You see, contract or covenant not only sets the parameters of your marriage... The boundaries of your marriage, where you can go, what you can do, how you relate, how much of your life the other person has access to. It not only sets the parameters or the boundaries of your marriage, it also determines the spirit of your marriage. Now, let me just ask you this. Which one of these spirits do you want in your marriage? Do you want your spouse to come into marriage with this spirit? Listen, I'm going to give up all of my rights to meet your needs. As a matter of fact, I will meet your needs to the point of death on my part. And I will also assume great responsibility for the success of this relationship. Would you like that spirit in your marriage? That's the spirit of covenant. Or do you want this spirit in your marriage? Listen, I'm going to enter in this relationship with you, but don't demand too much of me. And don't ask me to give up some things that I like. We're going to have a a relationship, but I'm not giving up this for you, and I'm not giving up that. And by the way, I just want to let you know right now, if you don't toe the line, baby, I'm out of here. Now, is that the kind of spirit that you want in your marriage? No. That's the spirit of contract, not the spirit of covenant. So you have to understand these. Number one, marriage is not a contract. It's not a contract. And here's the thing. You have to lay down some rights, and you have to pick up some responsibilities. This week, we're going to talk about the three rights that I have to lay down to enter into marriage. Next week, we'll talk about the three responsibilities I have to pick up. So here's the three rights I have to lay down or I have to give up. Now, in Genesis 2, let's read before we look at this first right. Let's read Genesis 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone. In other words, this is me. We're one now. And flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, verse 24 and 25, very important verses, because we're going to take our points from these verses. Therefore, this is God speaking now, not Adam. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let me tell you a couple things about this passage. Number one, I want you to notice that marriage was in the world before sin was. This is before sin ever entered the world. God established marriage. This is the way it's supposed to be. Secondly, I just want you to notice that God did not form Eve the same way He formed Adam. He did not form Eve out of the dust of the ground. He took Eve out of Adam's side. Do you know what the word covenant actually means? 
This is all it means. This is amazing that we think it means a lot more. But here's what it really means. To cut. That's what it means. The word covenant means to cut. Can I tell you something? God cut Adam and took Eve out of his side because he wanted marriage to be a covenant. By the way, 4,000 years later, God cut his son and took his bride out of his side also because he wants it to be a covenant. And then he says, therefore, therefore, let me give you the conclusions of what God is saying about this whole scenario. A man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, two shall become one flesh. Now, let me tell you something. God was not saying that for Adam and Eve's benefit. No way. He was not talking to Adam and Eve when he said that. Want me to prove it to you? It's real simple. Think about this. Here's God talking. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Here's what Adam did. What's a father and mother? Right? He didn't know what a father and mother was. He didn't have a father and a mother. So God's not talking to Adam and Eve when he said this. Who's he talking to? Us. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All right, here's the rights I have to give up. Number one is the right of priority. The right of priority. I give you the right to be the first priority in my life and to protect that place against anything that you perceive as competition. That's the right of priority. That comes from that verse, verse 24. A man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one. In other words, when you get married, you leave the most important relationship in your life, and you take another relationship, and you make that the most important relationship. In the spiritual, I understand that God's number one. In the natural, if you're married, your spouse is number one. That's the number one person on this earth you're supposed to love, honor, and serve. Number one person. Every person comes behind that person. Every hobby, every activity, every sport, every desire, everything comes behind that person if you're married. That person takes first place in your life. Years ago, the Lord was helping me rearrange some priorities in my life. And obviously, the first was my marriage, family. And so God told me, He said, I want you to sit down. I want to write your priorities for you. So I said, okay. He said, get out a piece of paper. We're going to write your priorities. So I got out a piece of paper, and I wrote, number one, God. And the Lord said to me, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, yeah, but see, I know that's what you're going to say. Because, see, I preached on this, God. And I know this. It's three points, God, family, and business. I've already preached this, and I know this. So so I know that's what you're going to say, so go ahead and say it. And I, I got it written down. The Lord said, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, well, I know, I know you didn't tell me to, but I know that's what you're going to say, so I've already got it. I know you're supposed to be first place. And the Lord kept saying, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, well, okay, but if you'll just go ahead. He just, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? Throw it away, start over. I said, okay. So I took the piece of paper, tore it up, kind of like, you know, I know what you're going to say. But, and so I got another piece of paper, out and I wrote number one. And he said, I didn't tell you to write that. I said, Okay. Threw it away, got it out, put my pen up. He said, okay, you ready? I said, yeah. He said, right, number one. <laughs> okay, number one. And then this is what he said to me. He said, now write, Debbie. I said, Lord, uh, that's not right. <laughs> so you're, you're supposed to be number one. Now listen to me carefully. This is what he said. If she's number one, I'll be number one. Listen to me. This is what he told me years ago, 20 years ago. He said, if she's number one, I'll be number one. If you serve her, if you make her number one, that's the way you make me number one. 
You can say all day long that God's first in your life, but how are you treating your spouse? If you are not treating your spouse with honor and with love and with respect, God is not first in your life and don't tell me He is. You have to put your spouse first. You have to treat that person. That person takes the highest priority in your life. Otherwise, marriage will not work. You cannot put anything on this earth above your spouse. It will not work. And your wife was made, and your husband was made, in the image of a jealous God. And there is a godly jealousy that will arise in your spouse's heart if he or she is not number one. I promise you. All they have to do is begin to sense that she's not number one, or he's not number one. And I mean he's upset. Any relationship, any friends, any activity, time, money, anything that he's not number one or she's not number one, you're in trouble. And they begin to sense it. And that's what you say by priority. I give you the right to be the first place in my life and to protect that place against anything, anything or anyone that you perceive as competition. Anything. When Debbie and I first got married, I um, uh, didn't spend a lot of time with her. I didn't really change my lifestyle much from being single. I still wanted to go with my friends and do things. And, and uh, I, I, like, I do a lot of sports. I like to ride motorcycles. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to play golf. I, I like to do all sorts of outdoors things, sporting things, you know. And, and Debbie actually is an athlete. She was more of an athlete in school than I was. She lettered uh, at a 5A high school in basketball. And you've seen her. She's not tall. She lettered in basketball because she was the guard, the handler, and track. So she's a great athlete. But this is kind of the way I felt when she came, we came and got married. I know this is horrible what I'm about to say, but this is the way I felt. I was a very bad person back then. <laughs> Here's what I thought. I thought, you know, she's a good athlete for a girl. <laughs> but she didn't like to do a lot of things that I like to do. For instance... She didn't like to wrestle. Well, guys like to wrestle. She didn't like to wrestle. You know, you're too rough. That hurts me when you do that. Well, then I'll just go find someone I can wrestle with, you see. And she didn't like to ride motorcycles fast. She'd say, 90 miles an hour is too fast on a motorcycle. I said, you're just getting going, you know. It feels great, you know. I don't do that anymore, by the way. I still, I now think it's too fast. Back then I didn't. And she didn't like, I like to scuba dive. She did not like to scuba dive in murky water that you didn't know what was about to come up to you. That's the best part of it. So I was doing all these other things, and one night we were having a discussion. You know what I mean by one of those? It's about one in the morning, she's crying, you're yelling, that's a discussion. So we're having this discussion. And she's going, and listen, listen, let me explain something to you. I still do a lot of those things. I still scuba dive. I still uh, water ski. I still snow ski. I still uh, ride motorcycles. I still play golf. I still hunt. I still fish. I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. But here's the thing. She's first. And she knows that. Now she'll say, you need to go play golf. You just need to relax. You just need to get out of the house some. And she pushes me to those activities now where she used to always try to hold me back because she wasn't first. You understand what I'm saying? I'm telling you, you make her first. You can do all the sporting stuff you want to do. (laughs) That's true. If she's first, she's got to really be first. So we're having this discussion, and she said to me, now I was real young, so I know this is also bad what I'm about to say, but she said to me, you know, sometimes... Because you don't spend much time with me, I wonder if you even love me. 
And here was my answer. I'm, this is a horrible answer. Horrible answer. I was 20-something years old, you know, and I said to her, you, you don't know if I love you. I said, look at the size of the ring I bought you. <laughs> now, that's shallow. Now, some of you guys are thinking, what's wrong with that? That was a good answer. That's a bad answer, by the way. I said, look at the size of the ring I bought you. And you don't know if I love you. That's what she did. She took it off, set it on the bed, and said, you can have it back if you'll spend tomorrow with me. And God began to do a work in my heart to understand she's first. And let me tell you something, by the way. It's heaven on earth. It's heaven on earth when your spouse is first place in your life. It's heaven. That's the first right, priority. Here's the second right, possession. Ownership. I give you the right to co-own and co-administrate everything in my life. Do you see that? I give you the right to co-own and co-administrate how we're going to do it, what are we going to do, when are we going to do it, everything in my life. Verse 24 says, and they shall become one flesh. When you get married, you substitute the word mine for ours. It's no longer mine. Nothing is yours. Nothing. Once you get married, it's our house, our money, our job, our car, our retirement, our kids. And even if you're in a blended family, it's not my kids and your kids. It's our kids. It's ours. From then on, it's ours. Why? Because we become one. When I give up the right to something, I give up ownership. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. One is your money. I was counseling with a couple one time, and the lady said to me, what he makes is ours, what I make is mine. I said, it won't work. It will not work. You cannot have the word mine in marriage. It becomes ours. You give up the right to possession, ownership. I'll show you an example. Something that you might have not even known that you gave the ownership, the title, to your partner when you got married. 1 Corinthians 7, 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. When we got married, I signed over the title of this body to Debbie. I'm sorry, but this is what she got. This is the model she got, and she can't trade it in. But she got this body. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I got her body. Now, and I own her body. I own it. And she owns this body. Now, I know what some of you men are thinking. She can have this body anytime she wants it. Great, I'm glad you said that. Pick up the vacuum cleaner. Get out of your chair and take out the trash that she's been wanting taken out to the street. Go mow the lawn. Get the boxes out of the living room that have been sitting there for seven years that she's asked you to take up to the attic. She owns your body. See, we think about it in a different way. But she has the title to your body. That means the height, because she can't read stuff on the top shelf, the height and the strength of my body Belong to her. And when she says, can you come help me? Yes, I can. Why? Because she owns this body. In the same way, I own her body. And I, I talked about that a little in the 5 o'clock service last night, and it didn't go over real well. <laughs> so I'm not going to say a lot about that. <laughs> it just works both ways, lady. 
Let me make one more statement on possession. Selfish people cannot be married. Let me just say that again. Selfish people cannot be married because they don't want people to tell them where to go, when to go, what to do, how to do it. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. You can't do that. By the way, selfish people can't be believers. True believers, successful Christians. Because when you become a Christian, God owns you. He tells you what to do from then on. When you get married, you've got someone on this earth telling you what to do. Speaking into your life that owns you. You give up the right of possession. Here's the third right you give up. Privacy. I give you free and unhindered access to every part of my life. I give you the right to complain and to confront me in every issue without fear of retaliation. Or any issue without fear of retaliation. This comes from verse 25. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Shame comes from hiding. Before sin, they did not have shame. Immediately when sin came in the world, they began to hide. They hid from God and they hid from each other because they covered each other's bodies up. They began to hide from God and hide from each other when sin came in this world. Listen to me. When you become a believer, you can't hide from God anymore. And when you get married, you don't hide from your spouse. Every part of you is open. That means that you can give your spouse the right to complain. If your spouse does not have the right to complain, you don't have a good marriage. That means your spouse can come to you and share things. Now, when we first got married, again, it was very bad. The reason it was bad is because insensitivity and insecurity. Listen to me. If the one sharing is insensitive and the one hearing is insecure, you got a problem. And that's the way it was when Debbie got married. I was insensitive when I would share things with her. She came from a family that cooks everything well done. Everything. There's something they have about meat. It's not good until it's black. When it's black, it's good. Before that, it, you could die. You know, you got to cook it. Well done. And that's the way she came. And so I didn't know how to say, you know, I just don't like my meat cooked that well. And so I'd say, you know, very in, wonderful, sensitive things like, did you use the smoke detector as a meal timer? Well, that's insensitive if you don't know that. You, you take on top of that her insecurity. By the way, I was insecure too. If she shared things with me in an insensitive way, that's how we didn't have what we should have had. Because we didn't understand how to share things. And you have to understand, she now has access to every part of my life. She knows everything wrong I've ever done and still loves me. She has access to every part of me. She knows my weaknesses and my fears. She knows my hopes and my dreams. She has everything. I've opened up to her emotionally. And by the way, by the way, that's a wife's job. Just want you to know, ladies, if you don't already know this, because you might think, I married the wrong guy. You didn't. You got the same thing off the assembly line that every other woman got. Believe me. Men come from the factory emotionally unassembled. I promise you, the wires are not connected. They're there, but they're not connected. And you will be, you could be married to a man ten years, and all of a sudden, he will say something like, he'd just be talking, and he'll say, well, you know, it was during that time that my parents abandoned me. And you've been married ten years. You say, what? What? And, and he'll say, yeah, yeah, you, I told you about that, hadn't I? It was a time in my life. Sometime from four until I was about nine, my parents abandoned me for five years. What? I've never heard this before, and he'll just be told me. He'll say, yeah, yeah, I was raised by a pack of wild dogs during that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he has no emotion when he's talking about it. He has no emotion at all. 
Yeah, yeah. He's just telling you a fact. Yeah, yeah. Wild dogs, yeah. And then she will say this. She will say a question. He's never heard this in his life. Men, you've never heard this until you get married. This is the question she'll say. Well, how did you feel about that? And he'll say, what? What What do you mean? How did I feel about that? I I like the dogs. I got to know them. They were good guys. We had a good time. He had a bad idea. Okay, so here's what she'll do. And these are some of these late night conversations, you know. You know, these late night conversations. This is what she'll do. She'll say, you see this wire right here? And he's just fascinated. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. He's never seen it before in his life. Okay, this is when your parents left you. You see that? Yeah, yeah. That's the experience when your parents left you. Now, you see this one over here? This is called a feeling. Really? See, he, he doesn't have any idea what she's talking about. Yeah, this is a feeling. This is when your parents abandon you. Now, let me show you something. <laughs> and, and he'll say, no, that hurts. She'll say, that's right. That's right. See, it hurt you when your parents left you. See, that hurt. See? And after about three or four years of this, all of a sudden, man, you'll just start crying one day. <laughs> you'll be sitting there watching a movie, and all of a sudden, you, you, you just start crying. Just... <laughs> because she has begun attaching these wires in you. That's her job. But she can't do it if you don't let her. Now, ladies, I'm going to talk to you too. Listen to me. We're talking about opening up. And you say, well, we don't have a problem opening up. No, you don't. <laughs> but you have a problem opening up with men. You open up with women real well. Boy, you can talk to women all day about your feelings. But here's what bothers me. Many ladies will not tell their husband in an honoring way what she's feeling. She doesn't do it in the right way. Or she doesn't do it at all. That's the amazing thing. She'll say, no, I'm not. If, if he can't figure it out, I'm not going to tell him. Well, just hang on, baby, because he's never going to figure it out. <laughs> just grit your teeth. I promise you, he will not figure it out. You can go, you can be married to the same guy 40 years. You don't tell him what's wrong. He will never figure it out. Because men aren't that way. You have to open up and you have to tell him. And this is amazing. Sometimes a woman will be mad about something. And, and you know, finally... The husband, will, it'll dawn on him. She's mad. You know, I don't know what, what. So he'll say, are you mad about something? Well, yes. And then he'll say this. Well, what are you mad about? And then this is what they say. Listen, this is what they say. Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. That's the whole reason to tell me. I don't know. I need, that's why I'm asking you what's wrong. Listen to me. Men are not mind readers. Women are. (laughs) Women know what men are thinking, and they know what other women are thinking. Men don't have a clue. If you don't tell him what's bothering you, he'll never know. This is privacy. You gave up the right to privacy. When you got married, men, you gave up the right to private thoughts, privacy, private feelings. You need to share all of your feelings and all of your emotions with her, or you will not have a good marriage. But ladies... Don't you clam up and share with your friends what your husband's doing wrong. That's the worst thing you could ever do. Or with your mom. Don't ever do it. If you if you got a problem with him, you leave your father and your mother and you cling to that man. And when you have a problem, you talk to him, not mom. I promise you, you, you do some damage to your marriage that you don't want to do. You need to talk to him. Now, what if you're here today and your marriage looks more like a contract than a covenant? What do you do? 
Well, let me tell you what to do. There's a great example in the Bible of this. God. God came to a man named Abraham, and this is what he said to him. I want to enter into a covenant with you. And you know what this covenant is? I'm going to assume all of your responsibility. I'm going to assume it. I'm going to fulfill it. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bless you. I am going to so bless you. And Abraham said, you got it. Great deal. 400 years later, though, Abraham's descendants said, we don't want to have a covenant with you. God said, please, I want all of you to be a kingdom of priests to me. They said, we don't want to be a kingdom of priests. We don't do that. Matter of fact, we want a king. We don't want you. We want someone else. Here's what they were saying. We don't want to be in covenant. We want a contract. So you know what God did? He said, you want a contract? Okay. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. See if you can live by that. And we couldn't live by it. And we couldn't fulfill it. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus came in the spirit of covenant and fulfilled the contract. Is that good? Jesus came to this earth and fulfilled our contract to the full. But he did it in a spirit of covenant. And here's what happened when you got saved. Someone was sharing with you about Jesus, sharing with you about Jesus over and over. And all of a sudden, one day, you saw it. Here's what you saw. You didn't see contract. You saw covenant. You saw a God that would come and lay down all of His rights and assume all of your responsibilities. You saw covenant. And when you saw that, you were attracted to it. And you said, I want a relationship with that God. And you entered into covenant. Listen to me. What do you do if you're in a marriage and it looks more like a contract than a covenant? You do the same thing Jesus did. You bring the spirit of covenant into your marriage. You lay down your rights and you assume your responsibilities in the Bible as a husband or as a wife. And you let the spirit of covenant begin to invade your marriage. Listen to me. Covenant will always triumph over contract. Grace will always defeat law. You can bring the spirit of covenant into your marriage. There has to be a redeemer. You can be the redeemer of your marriage. Jesus was your redeemer. Jesus came and gave up his rights before you ever did. So you need to do the same in your marriage. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe you're in a very difficult marriage situation today. I'm so sorry. Please don't leave here, or maybe you've experienced the tragedy of divorce. Please don't leave here under condemnation. Please don't leave if there's any voice that says, you know, if you'd done this, that wouldn't have happened. Don't hear condemnation. That's in the enemy. He doesn't want you coming to church, and he doesn't want you feeling good after you come to church. So don't listen to Satan. But what's the Lord saying to you today? My father used to say something to me every morning when he'd wake me up. He'd say, today is the first day of the rest of your life. That's what I want you to hear. Maybe you've had a difficult marriage. Maybe you've failed at marriage. But today, by God's grace, is the first day of the rest of your life. And God can turn it around. Lord, I pray that you will take this message and that you will cause it to take root deeply in our hearts so that it will bear fruit for your kingdom and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.